0: Are we still arguing about gay marriage? Really?
1: Less than 5% of LGBTQ youth in the United States have access to inclusive sex education.
2: This is worse than doing nothing. It's a Republican license to bully.
3: I'm Josh Cavale. I'm a footballer and I'm proud to be gay.
4: Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappell. Delhi High Court sets final hearing for marriage equality cases, deficient sex ed cheats queer students, and Aussie footballer Cavallo scores coming out goal. Those stories and more this week because you've chosen This Way Out.
0: I'm Marcos Nahira.
4: And I'm Elena
5: Botkin-Levy.
0: With NewsRap a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending October 30th, 2021. In India, the Delhi High Court is set to hear arguments on marriage equality. The court consolidated multiple lawsuits targeting laws that regulate secular marriages, religious marriages, and marriages legally performed abroad. The combined cases will get a final hearing on November 30th. Plaintiffs include an Indian citizen who lives with her spouse in Paris, France. They met in New York City in 2001 and married there in 2012. Another petition was filed by a binational gay couple, an Indian citizen and a U.S. citizen who's pursuing his Ph.D. at Rutgers University in New Jersey. The Supreme Court of India unanimously decriminalized same-gender sex in 2018. However, the government continues to claim that civil marriage must be limited to one biological male and one biological female. Some plaintiff couples in the consolidated cases are basing their arguments on that dichotomy. Rulings from India's regional jurisdictions, like the Delhi High Court, generally apply nationally unless another high court decides differently.
5: A proposed hate crimes law now lies dead in the Italian Senate. Legislation to protect people from violence based on gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, and disability was approved last year in the lower house of parliament, the chamber of deputies. However, on October 27th, the Senate voted 154 to 131 to end debate. That shelves the bill for at least six months. Alarms had been raised by the Vatican that passage of the bill would restrict the Roman Catholic Church's religious freedoms. Matteo Salvini, of the far-right League party, warned that such a law would jail those who think a mom is a mom and a dad is a dad. Other opponents claimed that the measure would lead to the teaching of homosexual propaganda in Italy's public schools. Italian LGBTQ advocacy groups receive hundreds of anti-queer hate crime reports annually. Many go unpunished. For 25 years, there have been efforts to criminalize acts of homophobia and transphobia. All have failed. The current bill is named for the lawmaker and queer activist Alessandro Zahn, who proposed it. Supporters of the Zahn bill express doubts that it could be reconsidered before this sitting of parliament ends in early 2023.
0: The Polish government continues to flaunt its homophobia in the face of growing threats of sanctions from the European Union. Now, a parliamentary committee is considering a bill that would outlaw LGBTQ pride marches and other public events that promote queer relationships. Poland's clash with the EU began when dozens of local municipalities and regional governments declared their areas to be LGBT-free zones. They had at least tacit approval from the country's ruling Law and Justice Party. The new Stop LGBT Bill, proposed on October 29th, would essentially make the entire country an LGBT-free zone. Polish citizens can submit legislative proposals to Parliament if they get the signatures of at least 100,000 eligible voters. According to the Associated Press, 140,000 signatures were gathered for the Stop LGBT proposal by the Life and Family Foundation. The same group lobbied successfully for a recent restriction on abortion rights. What's not clear is whether anti-queer President Andrzej Duda really wants to continue poking the EU bear by enacting the measure.
5: In another of the world's homophobic hotspots, Ghanaian President Nana Akufo Addo is calling for civility in the debate around a draconian bill that would virtually outlaw queer identity. Same gender sex is already a crime, punishable by up to three years in prison. The promotion of proper human sexual rights and Ghanaian Family Values Bill 2021 would further criminalize anal intercourse. It would go on to outlaw transgender health care, LGBTQ advocacy, and even sex toys. The first reading of the bill took place in August, but it's not clear when actual debate will begin. Akufo Otto has promised never to allow marriage equality in the West African nation while he's president. His call for calm may simply be an effort to delay debate until the boiling temperatures can be lowered to a simmer. Drastic actions have been threatened by both sides. One supporter of the bill threatened to storm parliament with thousands of followers if the bill does not pass. A high-profile LGBTQ advocate countered that she'd parade naked into parliament if it does pass. Human rights groups have condemned the bill. United Nations human rights experts call it a recipe for violence, according to Pink News.
0: The 2023 New Zealand Census will count LGBTQ Kiwis for the first time. The survey will ask individuals about their sexual orientation and gender identity, their sex assigned at birth, and intersex status. All of the data will especially help quantify the number of trans and intersex people living in Aotearoa, the Indigenous name for New Zealand. Advocacy groups are generally applauding the announcement because failure to count LGBTQ populations in the census results in insufficient funding for those communities. There are concerns, however, about the accuracy of the tally. Tabby Beasley of the activist group Inside Out worries that young people in particular may not be able to safely come out to a parent or a guardian who is completing the survey. Statistics New Zealand's Social and Population Insights Manager Jason Atwell noted that sexual orientation and intersex status questions would only be asked about people in the household age 15 or older. He stressed that all kinds of options would be available for people to describe their identities and added, the rainbow community is an incredibly diverse community and there's lots of groups within that.
5: The U.S. State Department issued its first passport with an X gender marker this week. Proudly outspokesperson Ned Price said the landmark moment continues the Department of State's commitment to promoting the freedom, dignity, and equality of all people, including LGBTQI persons. Intersex Navy veteran Dana Zim got the first X-designated passport. Non-binary Zim filed a lawsuit in 2015 challenging the State Department's refusal to issue a passport with the X gender marker. Jessica Stern used to lead the global queer advocacy group Outright Action International. She's now U.S. President Biden's special envoy for the promotion of LGBTQ rights abroad. Stern told the Washington Blade that the State Department will offer the ex-gender marker option to routine passport applicants beginning in early 2022.
0: Finally, if you thought the issue of marriage equality had long been settled in the U.S., think again. Texas Republican lawmaker James White believes he can trump the U.S. Supreme Court's 2015 Obergefell ruling. White wrote to Attorney General Ken Paxton in late October to point out that the state's exclusively heterosexual civil marriage law is still on the books. He argued that the high court had no power to overrule Texas law and asked rabidly anti-queer Paxton to confirm that private citizens in Texas are not required to recognize homosexual marriages. Meanwhile, Trump-backed Republican candidate for Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin confirmed his opposition to marriage equality during a recent interview with the Associated Press. Then the evangelical Christian ambiguously claimed, I, as governor, will support the federal law. Youngkin's Democratic opponent is former Governor Terry McAuliffe, who called Youngkin the most homophobic, anti-choice candidate in Virginia history. Former President Barack Obama tried to lighten the mood at a McAuliffe campaign stop on October 23rd. NBC's Late Night with Seth Meyers identified yet another career path the former president might explore. Look, I, I know a lot of people are tire, tired of politics right now. I, I, I mean, I understand why people just feel kind of like, oh, when's, when's this gonna end? Go in? And sometimes
1: politics in Washington feels that way. Right? It's like, oh, are we still arguing
6: about gay marriage? Really? I thought that ship had sailed. I thought that was pretty clearly the right thing to do. I, 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 I thought, we, got, we got Republicans across the country who, who said, yeah, that, of course. <laughs> and that, we're going to reopen that can? What? I love when stand-up Obama comes back. Someone get that man a brick wall and a cordless mic. He must be working on material for his new Netflix special, Baracko No You Didn't. That's
5: News global queer news with attitude for the week ending October 30th, 2021. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
0: Newswrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you.
5: Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more.
0: And you can read the transcript and listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm Marcos Najera. Stay healthy.
5: And I'm Elena Botkin-Levy. Stay safe. Good news,
0: good news, ain't that good news? Are you
5: signed up for our new e-newsletter, Inside This Way Out? We send them out every few weeks, briefly reviewing recent and previewing upcoming programming and deepening the conversation about
0: your favorite international LGBTQ radio show. All you have to do is email us at info at thiswayout.org. And be assured that we don't share or sell your email address or anything about you to anyone else, and we never will. Again, to receive the occasional Inside This Way Out... And let us know you're listening. Email us at info at thiswayout.org.
2: As passed today, bullying kids is okay if a student, parent, teacher, or school employee can come up with a moral or religious reason for
6: doing it. It is the worst written bill I've ever seen in 20 years of covering both state and federal politics. The
4: worst. Michigan Bullying Flashback later in the program. sex-related issues in the classroom has always been mired in complications. The current controversy about the inclusion of Toni Morrison's classic novel Beloved in U.S. high school courses is the latest example. The exclusion of LGBTQ-relevant information in sex education classes is the subject for study by the Outcasting Overtime team.
1: This is Outcasting Overtime, from Media for the Public Good. Producer of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Hi, I'm Justin, an outcasting youth participant. When it comes to controversies in American education, few things come to mind as quickly as sex education. In some states, it's difficult to persuade lawmakers to allow anything more than abstinence only education. Sex education for LGBTQ youth? Don't even bring up the topic. This lack of LGBTQ-specific sex education can lead to significant problems. As it stands now, LGBTQ youth are more likely to have sex under the influence of drugs or alcohol, less likely to use protection while having sex, and more likely to experience dating violence. Listen. The Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network is a non-profit organization that focuses on ending discrimination and harassment in schools on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity and expression. They say that less than 5% of LGBTQ youth in the United States have access to inclusive sex education. LGBTQ youth are at a disadvantage from their straight, cisgender peers. Instead, they often learn about safe sex online, if at all. An ideal sex education curriculum would include a unit on human development, specifically a discussion of puberty, sexual orientation, and gender identity. As it stands now, this area is seriously lacking. Sexual orientation is not always talked about, and at least in my experience, during sex education classes, it was assumed that every student was straight and cisgender. The approach my health teacher took to the topic of the LGBTQ-focused education was to give the class a survey that asked straight people questions that gay people are asked every day, to show how ridiculous they are. An example of a question was, when did you decide to be straight? These questions confused us more than anything. It seemed that her intention was to broaden the minds of her students, but that was very unclear to me and my peers. It was clear to me that she hadn't taught LGBTQ topics before. It seemed as if she was tiptoeing around anything related to the LGBT community. It's unfortunate that my ability to get relevant sex education was limited by her discomfort. We talked about topics that everyone could relate to, things like family and platonic relationships, but when it came to romantic and sexual relationships, I was excluded. In my own sex education, my sexuality was not addressed in the curriculum. I was taught about the necessary warnings and precautions for straight sex, which is a start, but I did not need that. As a gay teenager, I could see that I wasn't being taught what was relevant to me. I didn't learn about topics such as sexualities other than straight and gender identities other than cis, and how they can be fluid for some people. Not having my identity represented or taught in the classroom made me feel excluded and not as important as my straight peers. I am disappointed in the school curriculum. I can appreciate how far we've come that we can talk about the LGBTQ community in school at all. But as a gay teenager, I still don't feel fully represented in the classroom. The problem with sex education extends beyond representation. According to a study from the CDC in 2017, gay men made up 70% of the over 38,000 new cases of HIV in the U.S. Even though we only make up roughly 4% of the population, we are the overwhelming majority of the cases. Even 40 years after the beginning of the AIDS crisis, sexual education continues to exclude gay people from the conversation, allowing us to fall through the cracks. As a result of the lack of gay sex education, gay men are literally dying. These men were never taught about how to protect themselves against HIV and other STIs. It's obvious what's missing in the sex education curriculum, but people turn a blind eye. Luckily, I am surrounded by a great community of supportive friends. They help me go online and educate myself on topics I wasn't being taught in school. I now know that all forms of sexual contact are able to spread STIs and the steps I have to take as a gay teenager to protect myself from infection. I was able to learn sex education online, but online sources can be unreliable. So I am at risk of not getting credible information. I would have felt much more comfortable learning these important topics in school. Leaving queer youth to seek out this information on their own is not a perfect solution. Information on the internet is often decentralized and not always reliable. That's assuming that people even go looking at all. Some may not seek out information on safer sex because they do not know the risk. Sadly, these people who are not surrounded by a supportive community as I am are the most in danger. Because of how controversial the topic of sex education already is, it's going to be hard to try and change it. I hope that we all have the same goal of every student being able to access education that applies to them and their lives. Thanks for listening to Outcasting Overtime, a feature from Outcasting Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program. Outcasting Overtime is a production of Media for the Public Good based in New York. Our executive producer is Mark Sofis. Visit us at outcastingmedia.org to get information about Outcasting, watch outcasting videos, access our social media links, and listen to outcasting and related content. I'm Justin. Thanks, and thanks for listening.
6: Hi everyone,
3: it's Josh Cavalli here. I'm at my home here in Adelaide. There's something personal that I need to
4: share with everyone. A big goal for an Aussie footballer. But first... Just stop talking There's nothing new under the rule of Republican-controlled U.S. states when it comes to targeting queer kids for persecution. In the 2020s, transgender youth have been special victims of opportunity amid the onslaught of voter suppression, anti-choice, and other extreme conservative state legislation. The political landscape was similar 10 years ago this month when an anti-bullying bill in Michigan turned into a cynical attack on LGBTQ students. Today's Governor Gretchen Whitmer was the Democratic State Senate minority leader back in November 2011, as much an opponent of right-wing bigotry as she is now. Current TV's David Schuster reported on her battle against the bullies.
2: This is worse than doing nothing. It's a Republican license to bully.
4: Yes,
6: the city of Lansing is now home to a group of Republican lawmakers who wrote a law so badly that even the family was named after reacted with disgust. There are at least 10
2: Michigan children in the past decade whose deaths are directly attributable to bullying. I have their names and their ages here, but I can't read them. I think they've been too victimized as it is. But had this bill that you're going to pass today been law in effect while they were alive, how many of their deaths would have been prevented?
6: Zero. The Michigan Senate, led by Republicans, added language this week to their self-described anti-bullying law with a sentence that says, this section does not prohibit a statement of sincerely held religious belief or moral conviction of a school employee, school volunteer, pupil, or a pupil's parent or guardian. In other words, you apparently can torment a classmate if you believe the Bible tells you so. As passed today, bullying
2: kids is okay if a student, parent, teacher, or school employee can come up with a moral or religious reason for doing it. We should be passing public policy that protects kids, all kids, from bullies, all bullies. But instead you've set us back further, creating a blueprint for bullying. So this might solve a political problem that the Republicans have. But be clear, you are papering over the problem that is a reality faced by hundreds of kids in Michigan schools every day. In fact, not only does this not protect kids who are bullied, it further endangers them by legitimizing excuses for tormenting a student.
6: Republicans say the intent of the legislation is not to give bullies a legal roadmap, but rather to get each district to write an anti-bullying policy in the next six months. Well, Michigan Senate Republicans, you've picked one hell of a way to inspire the school districts to act. And it is the worst written bill I've ever seen in 20 years of covering both state and federal politics. The worst. This bill is an embarrassment to anybody with half a brain in the great state of Michigan. At best, Senate Republicans there have lost their cognitive thinking skills. At worst, they are evil, homophobic, bullying enablers. Either way, this is outrageous. The legislation is insulting and offensive. And it must be stopped.
4: After a nationwide uproar, the Michigan legislature passed a substitute bill that did not include the religious loophole. The weakened bill only required school districts to come up with their own anti-bullying policies within six months. It was signed in December 2011 by Republican Governor Rick Snyder.
1: This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Some give a little each month. Some make a large annual contribution. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org.
4: footballer josh cavallo couldn't last another day without coming out of the closet the adelaide united midfielder is the first active a-league player to make the leap his moving video message is worth hearing hi everyone it's
3: josh cavallo here i'm at my home here in adelaide there's something personal that i need to share with everyone i'm a footballer and i'm gay Growing up, I always felt the need to hide myself, you know, because I was ashamed. And ashamed I'll never be able to do what I love and be gay. You know, hiding who I truly am to pursue a dream I always wished for as a kid. All I want to do is play football and be treated equally. I'm tired trying to perform at the best of your ability and to live this double life. It's exhausting. It's something that I don't want anyone to experience. I thought that people would think of me differently when they found out. They would start treating me differently. They would start saying bad things about me or making fun out of me. That's not the case. If anything, you will earn more respect from people. Coming out to my loved ones, my peers, my friends, my teammates, my coaches, has been incredible. The response and support I have received is (laughs) immense. It's starting to make me think that why have I been hiding this burden for so long? I want to inspire and show people that it's okay to be yourself and play football. It's okay to be gay and to play football. You know, I want to show all the other people that are struggling and that are scared, you know, whoever it may be, that don't act like someone you're not. Be yourself. You were meant to be yourself, not someone else. Through my coming out, I'm excited to open up, to show everyone the Josh Cavallo, to show the true Josh Cavallo. I'm Josh Cavallo, I'm a footballer, and I'm proud to be gay.
4: Australian soccer player Josh Cavallo is gay and he's okay. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Marcos Nahara and Elena Botkin Levy, produced by Brian DeShazer, and Outcasting Overtimes Justin, produced by Mark Sofas. Thanks also to Michael LeBeau. Sam Cooke, Jewel Akins, Michael Jackson, and Sticks performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Ivana Foundation, a bequest from Christopher David Trentum, and donors John Paupre and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078 USA. For coordinating producer, Greg Gordon, and all of us at This Way Out, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on WBSU Brockport, New York, 5GTR Mount Gambier, South Australia, KALW San Francisco, California, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.